0: And welcome to the BU, the Body Empowerment Unified podcast. I'm Hannah,
1: the president. And I'm Rachel, the vice president. And we represent the Body Image and Eating Disorder Awareness Club, also known as BDAC. Started in Los Angeles by high school students, BDAC created the BU podcast with the purpose of telling stories from those who have or are in the process of overcoming an eating disorder have struggled with body image, or are simply looking to inspire self-love and empowerment through their individual experiences. Through this podcast, BDAC aims to spread positivity, kindness, share tips and tricks for self-care, and overall raise awareness about the importance of
0: self-image and both mental and physical health. In today's episode, we will be discussing the importance of understanding self-worth as we speak with Christina Bruce, a body acceptance coach, blogger, and social media influencer who works to guide others on ending the war against their body. With the rise of social media, content reflected on apparent satisfaction can often become a harmful factor in one's journey of self-perception. A study in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health discovered a correlation between self-damaging comparisons and negative body image, stating the widespread use of social media could increase body dissatisfaction, rendering them more vulnerable to eating disorders. With this, Social media often becomes an outlet for validation or unrealistic beauty standards, but luckily, this doesn't always have to be the case. Media, from books and news, to the gift of technology, using apps such as Instagram or YouTube, to television, radio, and podcasts, anyone can have the power to reach persons and communities across the globe to change this narrative. By spreading positive messages and sharing our unique human experiences of growth and self-compassion, we may be able to encourage others, bring hope, and be a source of representation to let them know that they are not alone and that we are all beautiful and worthy of love. It is important we leave our digital footprint with a positive impact. We do this to lead by example of a more body-just and accepting world. With this, we introduce our first guest speaker of season 3, an inspiration to all of us and a great supporter of the body acceptance movement as we listen to her journey towards self-love and how she encourages others to do the same through her use of social media.
1: episode of season 3, we will be talking with Christina Bruce, a body acceptance coach primarily based in Canada. Through her work, Christina helps people remember that we are all born knowing we are good enough and that we don't need to change or force our bodies to be different in order to feel better or more lovable. But she didn't always believe that. Christina struggled a lot growing up thinking that if she was only thinner or more beautiful, she would be more valuable. Growing up in Ontario, Canada, she was involved in lots of activities and sports in high school, such as softball, rowing music and student council after high school she studied sociology and health studies at mcmaster university but no matter what she achieved in these areas she thought looking better was the missing ingredient to her happiness she eventually came across the body positivity movement the book health at every size and intuitive eating she also became interested in pursuits that would connect her with her deeper self such as meditation and yoga and eventually became a yoga teacher and certified life coach. Today, Christina lives with her husband and 14-month-old daughter, continuing to love, learning, and growing through reading, meditation, and spiritual exploration. She read a lot of insightful books from spiritual teachers, such as Byron Katie, Michael Singer, and Eckhart Tolle. Realizing that feeling good enough and happy doesn't come from trying to change your body, but rather realizing that we are already worthy and good enough, just as we are. Christina reflects this message by mentoring and encouraging others towards body acceptance through her empowering website and blog, popular Instagram account, and personal coaching business. In this episode, we sit down with Christina to discuss more about her thoughts on the importance of maintaining a positive mindset when living in a world where judgment and hate are so prominent, consider what it means to intuitively eat, and talk about the resources she provides to her clients over social media.
0: In this episode, our topics discuss eating disorders. Listening discretion is advised. Can you describe your work as a body acceptance coach? And what was the pivotal moment that changed your mindset about having thin or kind of going towards this, these body standards of over-exercising and dieting?
2: Yeah, so my work as a body acceptance coach is really what I do is I help people just feel better in their bodies as they are without feeling like they need to change them in order to, you know, feel, um, like they're more valuable or to be more lovable and also to find ways that you know, you can feel healthy in your body without having to focus on, um, dieting or over exercising. So how can you, you know, find health and wellness without having to follow these external diets and exercise plans. Like we're always told that we're supposed to do. Um, and so for me, what the, I suppose, pivotal moment was for me to kind of go on this journey myself and to do this work was spending, um, a really long time, uh, trying to manage my body size through dieting and exercise and, being um, quite small, and then really seeing how much of a toll it had taken on my physical health, my emotional health, my relationships, um, really it, this it became an obsession and it ended up taking over my life. And so while we're always kind of told and praised for looking thin and like looking quote unquote fit or whatever the beauty standard you know is of the day and if that doesn't come kind of easily or naturally to somebody because some people might end up you know fitting that ideal that's just how they're born but most people don't (laughs) because we have body diversity that's really natural and normal and so when you have to Um, try to manipulate your body or change your body in order to look a certain way, it ends up taking a toll on your sense of self-worth and self-esteem and your time and your energy. And so I got to see how that was happening for me in my life. And that's when I decided to to make a change.
1: So you talked about your pivotal moment being as like a teenager and like living throughout your life you spent a long time trying to change yourself for the unrealistic beauty standards of the world and starting your own youtube channel and being a body empowerment influencer how did you learn to positively navigate social media because social media is something that is oftentimes harmful to body image due to the unrealistic standards everywhere
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. It's, you know, social media, um, has us really comparing ourselves a lot to each other. And of course, with all of the filters and just taking like the perfect pose shots, we really start to forget that this isn't real life often for people. These are very much staged images and they're, and they're doctored. So Um, yeah, it really kind of seeps into our awareness. And how I navigate that is I basically only follow accounts online that I feel good when I look at them. So if in any way there's, you know, influencers who are talking about their diets, they're taking, you know, images of themselves um, where they're trying to promote like oh I look so good like look at me in this you know in my quote unquote like perfect body i don't follow those because i don't see any value to that you know all that's going to do is have me start to compare myself to them and that doesn't make me feel good so i choose accounts that are inspiring that are uplifting and i hide any ads or i anytime i see ads for diets or you know fitness plans or anything like that i just hide them so that i don't Uh, get advertisements that are um, similar to those, I basically stop seeing them. And so that's, that's the way I do I use that as a barometer, like, is this account making me feel good about myself? Or is it making me feel bad about myself? And if it's making me feel bad, I don't follow it. And then I, because of that, then I use social media as a as a tool for good for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's great, you know, trying to get that toxicness out of your environment and really staying controlled of like, keeping those influencers that make you feel proud of yourself and, you know, feel supported. That's amazing. I wanted to talk more about our location differences, especially because we're students um, based in California in the United States, and you live in Toronto, Canada. Have you noticed, especially, you know, being on social media and having that more wide open view of getting to connect with maybe clients or people from from all over. Have you noticed there's been any body image standards where you live? Like for instance, in America, fat shaming is really popular because we have a lot of stereotypes, but also it's true that we have a lot of excessive amounts of fast food in our area. Have you noticed anything specific about where you're from?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would say it's, it's maybe not to the same degree here that it would be in the United States, but the idea of what uh, you know is healthy and and the way bodies should look um, is still very much the same here in Canada and. Maybe it's more extreme in California, especially, uh, and in you know in different parts of the United States it's different. In different parts of Canada, it might be different. But in Canada, we're really influenced a lot by the United States. So we get you know all of your television and media, and so we we see and and hear it here as well. So I just find in terms of. Um, body ideal standards and the way that people are thinking about um, food and their bodies is pretty much the same
1: our next question for you is seeing that many of your resources so that you can reach beyond Canada like what you're talking about how like Canada is really influenced by the United States, how you can kind of reach beyond national borders. Your blogs and workshops are free and accessible to the public. So what motivates you to help others and how do you come up with content or decide what to publish, what needs to be said, like on your social media or your blog?
2: Yeah, well, when I first started, a lot of it was just talking about, you know, my own personal experience of Uh, my own body acceptance journey. So whatever I felt like I wanted to share or talk about, um, I would share about that. Also, anything that I was reading or learning about weight and health that, w- that was inaccurate because a lot of the information that we receive about weight and health is is really not actually true. It's not that if you're a bigger body size, that automatically means that you're unhealthy or that body size causes illnesses. There's a correlation between them, but correlation is not the same as causation. So- Learning a lot of information like that, I would share. And then now it just, I I share based a lot of maybe what clients might be sharing with me, concerns that they have, what I just kind of see happening out there in in being posted on social media that I find inspiring, or oftentimes I'll just sit and ask myself and say, you know, what is it that I want to say today and just allow, you know, whatever, seems it seems inspiring to come through
1: yeah i really like that because especially with social media so much fake news gets spread around so i really like how you kind of take your clients input and what you've learned and you kind of put them
0: together you also talk a lot about how you encourage intuitive eating. Can you explain more what that is? And yeah, so intuitive eating is really
2: just listening to your body and allowing it to be the guide of what you eat and what you don't eat. So for example, if somebody was, you know, say they didn't digest dairy very well. Well, intuitively eating would be they would have something that was you know have some dairy and then they would feel some stomach pains or they'd feel some stomach cramps well that's the body signal saying hey like you know this doesn't feel really good to me I'm not able to digest it very well maybe you don't want to be eating so much dairy that's just a really clear signal that the body gives it can be more subtle when we just start to notice you know when we're eating certain foods How does it feel to us? And this can even be, you know, if we eat some foods where we just enjoy it, you know, do we, do we think it's like pleasurable? Does it taste good or, um, and we, we kind of just take those cues, to help guide us into how to eat. And also if you know, you're know you hungry and you notice it, that's a cue that the body says, hey, like give me food. Mm-hmm. If all of a sudden you notice you're getting really full or it's very uncomfortable, that's the body's point to say, hey, like it's time to stop. So it's really actually very easy to intuitively eat because there's no rules around it. So there's no good or bad foods. Like there's really freedom to eat when you want, how much you want, you know, whenever you want and you just pay attention to how you feel after you eat or when you're eating. And then that's your signal to say, okay, this, I felt good when I ate this. I didn't feel so good when I ate this. And maybe I'll have a little more of this next time, or maybe I'll have a little less, or I notice I'm really craving this food now and not so much this food. And so you really just, it, it gives yourself permission to just eat in a way that actually feels good. So you, are really paying attention and listening to your body and there's no right or wrong or good or bad with it. It's just, it's all just food and it's really just meant to nourish us and be pleasurable and we can trust our bodies to let us know um, when and how to eat. So that's kind of a a summary of what intuitive eating is.
0: So intuitive eating is often associated with this idea of anti-dieting you know like you said eating when you want to not having to be restricted but going into dieting do you believe there's such thing as a good diet for example the keto diet that sometimes doctors recommend or some people say they feel healthy or not as restrictive through it
2: right so i mean i don't advocate for following diets um even sometimes if doctors prescribe diets I hate to say it but they don't necessarily always know what they're talking about when they prescribe it doctors don't actually receive very much training at all in nutrition you know that's why there's dietitians and nutritionists out there they receive a lot more training in nutrition than doctors do so um Sometimes they'll just say a diet because they heard about it recently. Now, I mean, the keto diet came to popularity because it was actually used uh, as a specific diet to treat people uh, children with epilepsy, and they had noticed that it helped to reduce their seizures. So that was the initial use of keto. It just grew to popularity because everybody's looking for some kind of diet to be some magic, you know, cure for weight loss and to, and to feel better. But I would say, you know, if you're going to have a diet, like the best diet can be found for you through intuitive eating, because everybody's a little different. So like, again, somebody may um, really, maybe they function better when they eat meat. And maybe some people don't feel as good when they eat meat. And so therefore like that would, a uh, quote, you could have like somebody who's uh, more heavy on a meat diet, which would be more like keto or, you know, paleo tends to be heavy on that. Um, but they wouldn't have to do that diet when you're following intuitive eating. It would just happen naturally and on its own. Mm-hmm. So I don't advocate for diets. I don't think that there's, such thing as a good diet, because nobody can really know what is best for you. Mm -hmm. You know, only your body can tell you what is best for you. So maybe it happens to be that some people follow a keto diet and they feel better because maybe it's a little bit more aligned to how they might naturally want to eat if they were actually paying attention like it just could be that it works for them specifically but you don't need to find a diet in order to find what works for you you just need to pay attention and try you know different foods and try Different ways of eating, and just notice what gives me more energy. You know, what how maybe I'm sleeping better if I am concentrating better if I eat this way, making sure you feed yourself enough, you know, like all of these things contribute to feeling good. And I, I don't think you need to follow any certain diet for that. And especially if there is an issue like lactose intolerance, or you actually have celiac disease, again, your body's going to tell you that those types of foods aren't good for you because your body's going to hurt. So it's really clear.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that following what feels good for your body, despite, you know, what everyone wants to give you from the diet. How do you help your clients or people maybe that are going through something such as like a binge eating disorder where they don't know what they want? You know, sometimes they just reflect what they eat through their emotions, though.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anybody who I would say is actually struggling with an eating disorder Need some additional support. So they would need to be working with a dietitian. And I would always recommend trying to find somebody who follows an intuitive eating approach or is an anti diet dietitian um, because there's a lot of other physiological factors and psychological factors that, you know, as you know, are involved in that and can get compromised. And so in the middle of an eating disorder, it is actually very difficult to intuitively eat. So Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be the time I would say to try intuitive eating because your signals are disrupted. Mm -hmm. So especially say, for example, somebody who... Is maybe struggling with anorexia. It's very difficult for them to even know their hunger and fullness cues. That's they've almost been, like they've been compromised. So there has to be a restorative process to uh, be able to get to a point where you can then start to slowly differentiate what your cues are. Um, somebody who maybe has binge eating disorder. I mean, it's a restrictive disorder as well. So a lot of you know therapy is really. Uh, recommended as well and important to make sure that you're also uh, looking at the underlying root emotional causes for these eating disorders, because that's really what the cause is. And so it's a long process and it requires a lot of different professionals to be involved to get to a point where you're more balanced and intuitive eating would then be like the kind of near the end stage. Mm-hmm. So it'd be more the last thing you would want to do um, after recovery. You would you you just can't really do it when you're in the middle of an eating disorder.
1: You were talking about how if an individual has an eating disorder, it would be best if they saw a dietitian who was anti-diet. So With your specialty, if somebody has negative thoughts or comparisons or kind of retreats back into the mindset and cycle of poor body image, how do you uplift them? Or how do you coach? And when do you know that the coaching is complete? So I always help
2: people to really start to understand that the thoughts that are going on in their minds are not them. So we all have thoughts that come into our mind, but we're not actually our thoughts. Because if you can think about it, like you hear the thoughts that are going on in your head, right? It's almost like you have kind of this annoying roommate talking to you all the time. And a lot of times that roommate can be pretty critical and nasty. So it's like, if we hear this voice, who's the person that's hearing the voice? Because- we can hear it, so we must not be the thoughts. So we need to understand then that we have these thoughts, but we aren't these thoughts. And so where where a lot of times do these thoughts come from? We gotta start looking at that. And what it comes from a lot of the time is our conditioning, our social conditioning. So it comes from the moment that we're born into a family And our family starts to instill in us all of these different ideas and some of these ideas about, you know, how we should behave, what's right, what's wrong. Some of them are really helpful and they're really positive and some of them might not be so helpful or positive. And that goes the same for other figures in our life who are really important. So it could be if we had teachers or coaches or we had uh, maybe um like if we if we go to a a church or or a mosque like spiritual leaders we start to pick up all of these ideas and now in particular social media and it starts to give us these ideas of how we're supposed to be what's right or wrong what's good or bad and so we need to start to to look at those thoughts and start to notice If those thoughts make us feel really bad about ourselves, that's a really good indication that there's actually a lie in that thought. So we're believing something about ourselves or about our bodies or a certain situation that isn't actually true for us. And so I help clients really start to become aware of their thinking and their thoughts. And we really start to question them. And we start to look at, is that really true? Like, where did you learn that? Is that something that you actually believe? Or is that because somebody told that to you? And then really starting to look at at, and dig deeper into those. So when we can start to bring awareness to our thinking and realize that we're not our thoughts, that we have these thoughts, that they come in and they come. They go. And a lot of the times it really isn't even our thoughts. It's just these thoughts that we've adopted. Then that alone can start to shift people's thinking and realize, like, oh, I'm not, I don't have to be so caught in my thinking all the time. So really helping people see that and also just really starting to dig in and dig into and look into the validity and truth around these thoughts because a really good indication if you're believing something that's not true for you is that you just feel bad. You don't feel good. You feel tight. You feel constricted. You feel crappy. You feel down. You feel stressed. You feel anxious. Those are all indications that there's some thinking that's going on that's probably not true. So I help um, clients really start to look at that and to so that they can have a different perspective around it. And that really tends to free them from that thinking. And then in terms of when the coaching is complete, um, I mean, coaching, it, it really just depends on the person, if they feel like they've got what they've wanted out of it, or they're at a point where they feel like they're, they're just, this this issue isn't dominating their life anymore because really it's all about so that that you can go ahead and just live the life that you want to live without this issue um really hanging over your head all the time you know that's it's not it's get it's not getting in the way anymore and with coaching there's lots of different, levels so like you might have a certain understanding it's like peeling the layers of an onion back so maybe you make some progress and you peel a few layers and then now there's some more and you dig a little bit deeper so it's really ongoing and it's up to the client to decide like is this is this holding me back anymore this issue and and if it's not then that's a pretty good indication that you can move on and then anytime you you notice that it's become an obstacle again and it's taking up a lot of mental time and energy then you do more coaching and sometimes it can be like a process over years
1: um other times you may work with somebody
2: and then you're done
1: Yeah, I think it's like really important to listen to yourself and to really think about where you're getting these thoughts. So I think it's really great that you help your clients see from a bigger point of view and not
0: just their like narrow mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And I also liked how you mentioned that inner voice is not us it's we're not really truly criticizing ourselves it's maybe like our influences the people we surround ourselves with even like that family dynamic the sayings that we just hear that make us reflect badly about ourselves going into that about making sure to surround yourself in a positive environment and really stay true to yourself since you know you're speaking to youth today and also you mentioned as a mother. What is your kind of view on today's body image in teens? Do you think is a little better than it used to be in your generation? As a mother, how do you try to maybe raise your own child in that positive set without maybe the negativity of social media or that influence that keeps people, you know, feeling bad about themselves? Mm
2: Um. I, you know, I don't really know what it's like for teens. I, I'd have to ask you. <laughs> I'd have to find out what it's like for you because I haven't, you know, taken a, a poll or talked to a lot of teens um, to see what it's like for them. I can only imagine that I mean, it's, it's interesting. You're at a, it's, it's a tough time because again, I didn't grow up with social media. So I didn't actually have social media come into my life until I was in university. So I went through high school without social media. And I mean, I've talked to my friends and we often say like, wow, like that must be so challenging to have social media in high school. Like we can't imagine what that would have been like. And so From that perspective, I can imagine it's harder for you because you have the—you're just inundated with these images and influencers um, all over the place, and you're getting like there's just an unlimited amount of people and exposure that you're getting on a daily basis from this. So, I would say that that's harder in in some in some degree than it would have been when I was in high school. And so I can imagine that, you know, teens are probably struggling a lot to some degree. I I mean, you have a club about this, which is amazing. Like that never existed when I was in high school. Um, so that be, that being said, on the flip side, is that because you have social media, you also have the exposure to a lot of body positive influencers and you know, people like myself who put this information out there and a lot more resources that are kind of counteracting the, the negative uh side to all of this. So it, it comes down to again to how you use social media and being really aware that it can be very addictive and very manipulative. And it's, it's not like a neutral, um, it's not a neutral tool. Like the algorithms are there to try to addict everybody. So, so it's, it's really, I would say that it's tough, but if you can be really smart about it and again, pay attention to how does this make me feel and use it for good instead of using it to, um, go down this rabbit hole of like beating yourself up and comparison and criticizing then that can be how you can kind of save yourself from it um but yeah it's tough i mean like the the fat phobia and and dieting and stuff is as strong as ever um and there's just endless numbers of influences out there trying to get people to to do it so it's tough in that respect but like i said you also have the positive side to it too and lots more books are coming out now and podcasts and so if you choose it right you know and you choose the the resources to uplift you and to challenge and to question all of uh this messaging out there then it can really it can really support you um and to you know, I would say like for people growing up, it's, it's always to, to just be, you know, when we look at say actors and actresses who are in television and movies and whatnot, you know, Hollywood has an incredibly, uh, really like, how do I say it? It's just, it's really bad for body image and most people are uh, dieting like the very, very few actors are not on some kind of diet and suppressing their weight. And it's not, it's not a healthy representation. A lot of people aren't in a healthy place. Like you look at them and you think they're glamorous, they're happy, they're rich. Like it must be great. They're thin. It's like, you have no idea what they're going through. And a lot of people are not healthy and not happy when you're having to maintain this ideal so just realizing like that's not um it's not a good standard to be looking at so just question 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 and use your own
0: internal compass as your guide so going into how you speak about you know having those positive influences you said you try to push for being unique to yourself, being true, you know, listening to yourself, what fits, what works for you. And really, you mention a lot, not comparing yourself to others, not just helping people get out of that mental state or that kind of mindset, but you also talk a lot about that kind of exercise. And so could you talk to more about us, about yoga and its benefits and how you use it to help others with their body acceptance journey? Mm hmm.
2: So when, when I think about yoga, um, I don't, yoga is really popular right now, but it's also been taken over by the diet and fitness industry. So you're going to see a lot of yoga classes out there, like hot yoga and power yoga and yoga for sculpting or like whatever it might be. And those kind of yogas, well, well, I mean, they can be enjoyable and people can like doing them. Um, those are just—it's just yoga being used as a fitness class, like as another way to get fit, and that's not actually really true yoga. Like yoga really is a practice of bringing you in tune with your body in the moment. And it's not about trying to bend yourself into a pretzel or like into some kind of, you know, crazy shape that you see on the cover of yoga journal magazine. It's really about paying attention and noticing, you know, what, what feels good in my body. It's finding that balance between challenging yourself, but then also, um, you know, holding back so that you don't injure yourself. It's really, you know, if you have energy some days and you really want to do a physical class that feels more challenging, you can do it, but it's also then you'll equally want to do a class that's maybe gentle and more restorative. And so yoga helps you to come more in alignment with yourself in the present moment. And it's all again about paying attention, so it's really about noticing 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 like how does your body feel you know what's going on for you in this moment breathing through the different postures so it's i mean it's it's there's a lot to it but why i really like it for body acceptance work is because it's again developing that mindfulness and and paying attention to how the body feels not just following, you know, an instructor or like putting on your music and like running and and kind of zoning out, it really requires you to go inward and to notice how you feel. And when you do that, yoga can also, you know, it can also allow a lot of emotions to flow. So sometimes you might all of a sudden feel some emotions when you're doing yoga because you're paying attention and you're finally allowing yourself to experience them and release them. And that's a really important part of the practice as well. So it's being in tune and just noticing like this isn't about doing a workout. It's not, there's no failure in yoga. That's the thing. Like you're not quote unquote good at yoga. There's no such thing as that. You don't have to be flexible to do yoga. It's all about just moving with the postures and paying attention to how you feel.
1: So you talk about having positive influences. We've heard that you mentioned the book, Health at Every Size, The Surprising Truth About Your Weight. And that inspired you to rethink about how you treated or cared for your body. So that being a factor in your journey, do you have any other authors, book recommendations or other influencers or role models you follow that have helped you um become a more body positive person
2: yeah i mean well there's been lots of of people um over the years that i followed and i i first We're saving to not list them all here because there's a lot of them. Um, I'll give you some book recommendations that I think are helpful. Uh, I know when I first started my journey, there was a couple that I read that I thought were good. Um, There's one book called Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls by Jess Baker. And um, another book I read was called Big Girl by Kelsey Miller. And then this one is an older book, but it's a very good book. It's called The Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf. And so uh, those are some books that um, I would recommend. There's also another book that's called Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison, and that's um, one to read. Um, in terms of of influencers, um, I have a, uh, on my website, I have a free guide called the guide to body acceptance and for people who download that i list about i think about 30 different accounts that i recommend following on social media so that's um something i would recommend if people are looking for more you know people to follow
1: thank you for those recommendations hannah and i are actually avid book readers too and i'm sure some of our listeners are so we'll
0: definitely check those out
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: usually i'm like when i read books i like try to pick books that are i usually like i'm a big fan of fictional writing because i think like you know seeing those strong like especially books with strong female protagonists is amazing to see recently gotten into more self-care and i'm really starting to enjoy it and realize like this whole new type of genre of of books that you know you know these are complete sometimes complete strangers but they're so relatable so it's amazing that you know that you were able to see a book that really inspired you and made you want to go into this career and this journey and really like help others i think that's amazing but before we end our interview today we'd like to ask you one more question we wanted to ask you would you change anything or ask or Really, more, tell words of advice to your younger self who was going through that difficult time in your life, especially during maturity, yeah.
2: um, I mean, I would say that that it's that it's a lie that you're better or more beautiful if you're thinner. um that and that being quote unquote, beautiful is not is not the most important thing about somebody and that there's there's like if we think about you know beauty and being good enough like there's so many other qualities that are important in a person to cultivate in that matter and your your body size is just it's not that important like it's re- it's really not So to not spend the time thinking that you need to be different, that you are, and that if people will only like you because you're thinner, then they're not the right people
0: that you want to be spending your time with. I think it's beautiful and just so true from what you've been telling us today about not comparing yourself and being true to yourself as well.
2: And I want to say too, just
0: one more thing about
2: that. It's like, our minds really like to compare. It's just what they do. So sometimes we can put pressure on ourselves to like not compare and then beat ourselves up because we found ourselves comparing again. And so it's just to notice that that's okay if it happens and we can just see that this is what we're doing. You know, we're just comparing right now and that we don't, we don't have to like that's what's happening. Oh, my mind's just thinking I'm not good enough. Here I am comparing again. It's just going to do that. That's, that's what minds like to do. They like to make judgments and they like to compare. And so if we just notice that that's what's happening, we can see that for what it is and we don't have to beat ourselves up for it. We can just see, oh, that's what's happening. And we can just let,
1: let it go. This episode was brought to you by BDAC and produced by Diana Shadeva and Hannah Kwok. We'd like to thank our guest speaker, Christina Bruce, for sharing her story with us, as well as writers and hosts, Rachel Chen and Hannah Kwok. We hope you enjoyed this special episode and can't wait for you to listen to more. Don't forget to follow us at TCHSBDAC, that's BDAC spelled B-I-E-D-A-C, on Instagram, where you can view our club activities, posts, and contact information. If you would like to be featured in a future episode, please reach out to us through our email, bdatclub at at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to be you.